0: Far east of the Sword Coast, the Shadowvar and Eskevrin have fallen. The Shadow Storm is no more. Sembia is fractured into city-states. A mysterious hero rises from the ashes to usher in a new era of prosperity. Yet there is still suffering. Cormyr and the wild elves of the Dale lands offer war on all sides... Earth motes, madness, and shadow dragons plague the lands. These are the tales of the heroes who ended that suffering. 1491 DR, the year of Sembian Revival. Alright, everybody.
1: <laughs> hey, 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 that's a wrap. <laughs> oh my
0: gosh.
2: So we we start I started reading the Sembia books. Back in, in summer of 2018, and we began this campaign in November of 2018, and we finished I think around June of 2019. But this this podcast started up in December of 2020, and now it's February of 2022.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Officially, my longest role ever.
2: So we're here. Uh, we got everybody back for for what I've always called the old all, all cast reunion. Um, so I have a few questions I want to ask you guys and we can kind of just chat for a few minutes. If, if you're good with that. Yeah. Give it to us. I'm just wondering like what you think of the ending, um, of the podcast versus the ending of the campaign. Any thoughts on that?
1: I think everybody's going in a much more hopeful direction than they may have been going at the end of the campaign.
2: What makes you say that?
1: I- I just know that in the world of our games, Matoa did not end up in a good place in the end. He kind of, uh, he, he was the shade right at the end of the campaign. Yeah. Because I died and, uh, we, we needed to find a way and this was the way back. And, uh, I love how it was woven into Sonya's story though, in the podcast. I think that, uh, was a lovely tale.
3: Yeah. To second that off of max, I think, um, it's, it's interesting. And, uh, both endings were, um, you know, uh, they're they're both good endings, um, but in the campaign, it was definitely a very campaign sort of end. You know, um, where because uh, Ashka um, in the campaign, you know, he joins this one particular order, and a couple other people are invited with him, and you know, it's a very Dungeons and Dragonsy sort of ending. And not that it was not, you know, it was a very fulfilling ending for a game. However, in a story these characters live on and so in this it gives that you know jendall still has work to do matoa still has work to do you know Sonia uh, sonya still has work to do and so they you know they're 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 beings they're they're people and and so they have lives left you know they're not dead so they're going to keep moving on so you know inside of the the ending of this story it's very you know it's not and they all lived happily ever after i mean like things are okay but they're not bad but you know there's still more
4: to do. Yeah. Do you ever think you're going to reopen this can of worms like five or 10 years down the line?
2: Well, that's it. You know, I left it open for that. Um, the campaign we were playing in Cormir was kind of a continuation of this. Um, I had always seen, I think I told you all that I had planned to start in Sembia because very little was written about Sembia. It was an easy place for me to start. And there was a lot of novels that I could draw on for inspiration and sort of not just inspiration, but like, um, there were a lot of things like, you know, having the source in here was like an homage to the novels. Um, but I, the, the goal was to like start in Symbia and then do a Cormier campaign and then, a um, a Dales slash, um, you know, myth Dranner, uh, Cormanther type of campaign, uh, where the Shadowvar would would come back into it there. Um, so Sonia's um, Sonia's fake. F- I made it up, but um, the Telemont Tanthul, her grandfather, uh, in the story. Um, you know the reason we they made the comment about you know oh my family has a nasty habit of crashing earth moats. Um, Telemont crashed full um, Tanthar into Mithraner about three or four years before the story ends. Um, so, you know, you had, you had soccer's falling into our duel and you had Thul Tanthar, um, fool Tanthar crashing into uh, a And, uh, so Sonya broke the cycle here, but she, she wants to travel North to find out more about that, uh, about her family, the Tanthuls. And, um, of course the, you know, the elven culture up there, but I'm hoping that at some point we can come back to the Cormier campaign and, I don't know if it's ever going to be a trilogy. I'm not sure that I have the endurance for that. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, yeah, the the idea is that maybe the characters could come together. Matoa would be the storyteller, and maybe a central character in Cormier, and that you know Sonia and Siren might be, uh, you know, might come back together and be a part of the Mythdranner Dale's story. Um, all right. Well, I've asked each of you this individually when I interviewed you, but, but now that the whole campaign is over, I'm I'm wondering if, if there were any favorite parts of the podcast, um, favorite episodes, you know, favorite characters, favorite, favorite, whatever.
0: I think for me, my favorite part was anytime we, we, you know, battle sequences are, are fun and they're exciting for listeners. But I think like for me, You know, part of what I loved about playing Siren was that I just really um, wanted to dive into the consequences of the horrific actions that happen in a world. Um, And it was really fun because you, you know, Jared, you didn't shy away from including sort of the torment that went on in characters. And for me, that was just fun to, you know, play characters in a fantasy world who, you know, who were sad and who had, had friendships that formed and they weren't. You know, they teased each other. I just really loved that the interplay of the characters. Whenever we kind of got to joke around,
5: I like the joking around too.
0: Yeah, all
4: the Siren Gendal banter was definitely probably my favorite. Yeah,
2: and you guys, I mean, those characters. I I didn't initially know those characters. I mean, I knew the characters because we played them, but but I think I think maybe even you guys. Uh, discovered more about your characters as as we started to role play live on the podcast, right? I mean, I I started writing the parts um, after you started interacting with each other. I mean, it, like I yeah, I read the f- wrote the first episode based on what minimal knowledge I had from the campaign, but like I I found myself writing things for Siren, for example, and for Jendal because that's what I thought you would say.
5: We actually talked about that a lot. We'd be we'd say. Oh no, Siren would probably say something more like this. He'd say something smart.
2: Um, all right, well let's let me ask you this. Um, based on uh, so now that we've 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 kind of gone through the ending and the epilogue, um, and you know where people are going, did is there anything that that changed? Is, is there any like did you see the story going a different direction, or 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 maybe even like a a tangent? to this question is, or would you have, would you have changed if you were writing this, would you have changed any of the, the ending scenes or, or the endings for the characters?
3: I mean, that's a rough
0: question, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Jared, you suck. I would have changed everything.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I think, uh, Steve, you, you had, you had thoughts,
4: right? You want to, you want
2: to maybe start this? I'm
4: shocked that Jendal's still alive. I was going to say, actually. I tried. I I tried to
5: talk him into killing you. (laughs)
4: I thought, I absolutely was like, oh yeah, Jendal's going to die. Jendal's going to die for sure. Like a (laughs) hundred percent.
3: I mean, Jendal was set on it. He, I mean, even he assumed that he was on his way to die. That was the plan. No, you're,
2: you're a hundred percent right. I, I, I thought going into writing that episode that I was writing Jindal's death scene and it turned out that, the story had a different.
5: It was, it was Lana's death scene? Yeah, it was Lana's death scene. <laughs> yeah,
4: Which actually had Den all to sacrifice himself to save Lana or something like that. I could absolutely.
3: Yeah, yeah but that I, chance was taken away from him, and yeah. uh, I mean, not that it was a bad choice, but I mean, it was ended up actually being the more, um, uh, the harder choice um, to to kill Lana. I think that that was it ended up being, I think, the more tragic of the two outcomes. Well, I mean, three, they both lived, or four, they both died. But actually, I think them both dying would have been less tragic than just Lana dying.
4: Yeah. Jendal got treated pretty rough there. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: do that to some characters here and there, don't I?
3: <laughs> then I do have one question on that, then. Um, was Lana also a follower of Timora, And if so, did she, was she chosen? Ooh.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know... I've o- I always talked about Prospero godsend, the uh, adopted father, um, as you know, um, I, f- I forget how we described him, but basically he was a fortune, uh, fortune and glory hunter, I think is what is the term that they used. And so I always had in my mind that, that Prospero, even, even though we only heard him talk once, Ben, you played Prospero, um, right before he died. And we, and we heard, we heard his voice actually when the characters were in, um, the shadow fell. Uh, and then, and then we got to see that scene of him inside just sort of defending against the Shatterkai, but we heard about him early on from the Ark and Veil episode. And I always kind of had in my head that he, I didn't really know his character, but I kind of wanted to leave it open, uh, with a name like Prospero godsend, you could have a whole story about him, but I I did, I did see him as a follower of Taimora, um, maybe a little less devout, um, in, in terms of believing in the lady, um, than Jendal, but, um, he, he would, I would, I would think would probably raise his adopted family to be believers. Um, and so I, I intentionally left that open for interpretation. And, and I think that's, I think that's a good part of any story really is that as the, it's like, well, are, you know, where are the end wives, right? Who was Tom Bombadil, you know? Well, not that I'm, I'm certainly not trying to compare myself to to Tolkien, but, but the idea the top,
3: stop spinning and fall over. Yeah. You know, just a cliffhanger kind of thing. Like, I don't know, you know?
4: Yeah. Yeah. So did Siren and Sonia hook up this last episode or in between the two?
2: You know, it's funny. Abby asked me the same question about, um, the, the nature of Lana and Gendals. Um, like they were adopted brothers and sisters, which means they weren't related, but they clearly, Something they they Something. loved they loved each other in some fashion, and I basically answered her the same way. Like, um, I don't know who's to say who's to say. You know, there was a there was a clear bond. Sonia had this effect on people, I think. Like Jendal, and, and part of it was Jendal's personality, but Jendal immediately took to Sonia and protected Sonia. Siren, as the story went on, they were clearly tight in the beginning, but you found out more and more about their relationship and about. Um, you know how how deeply they each cared for each other. They shared experiences,
5: hid some bodies for him. Yeah,
2: Sonia <laughs> hid some bodies for Syrian without even saying anything. And so it's not really clear what's going on there. But you know, for me, I wasn't thinking of it. Or it would be weird for me to write a a romantic piece for my wife. I think so. <laughs> so
4: if for someone else, but I, I that's not where I was going
2: with yeah, it.
5: I do go off with the source. Okay, do this it. is and really it works funny
4: because some of those lines, like. I don't think either of us slept last night. Like could be very much like interpreted in a different way. Like, <laughs> I,
5: didn't, I didn't read that way. Woo.
2: Yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't, part. uh, I didn't write it with that in mind. Although, you know, if that's the way people want to read it, I'm, I'm fine with that. I just, I didn't, I was not, um, I had seen, I think Sonia's relationship with Siren as a platonic, um, relationship. Maybe I'm just not good at writing romantic maybe scenes. They will,
5: maybe they won't. <laughs> yeah,
2: I don't I don't know. Um what what did you think, Chris?
0: Um yeah. I guess the will they won't they is always the fun part of it. But, you know, f- for you know as as Siren, like I'm happy if Siren is with someone or not. I think Siren's real I mean the way I played Siren is his real desire is for um is for like real relationships and people who are mean to him or pick on him or i mean that's why he loved this group so much is because everybody gave him gave as much shit as he gave and like uh, romance might happen for him at some point but like this is his first family he's ever had you know so i but i don't know it would it might be strange to date your sister (laughs)
5: <laughs> Might be.
0: <laughs> uh, well, yes. I, I, let me rephrase. <laughs> it's definitely strange to date your sister, but your metaphoric sister, it would be. It would be very. You know, it would also be strange.
3: We did just have a whole conversation about Lana and Jendal as well. Basically raised as brother and sister, so I mean, it's not that weird.
2: Yeah, they're
4: technically not
2: related, um, but and but it would still be weird. It would still Even, be weird. Yeah, you no, know it would
4: be really weird. Is because of the source, it would be kind of like a threesome.
0: You <laughs> Had to do it, Jendal. Had to do it. <laughs>
2: oh man, yeah. Uh, so did you? Did you all think that the source was still inside there? I hadn't really. I hadn't really talked about it. Um, did you? Did you think the source was still hanging
3: out with Sonya? I didn't know if you were actually going to kill off the source or not. I felt like it was kind of unclear
5: the episode before this. Like the, I thought the implication was the source was toast and then it turns out he's not, but
4: yeah. And didn't Sonia say something like source come back into me or something. And the source just, and maybe it was an ambiguous reply. I'd have to go back and look at it again.
2: Uh, I think she's basically said, you know, I wanted to, uh, I, she had felt the source inside of her, you know, like mentally, but, but hadn't really touched the source and, uh, felt the pain. Uh, so, which again is probably an entendre or, or some, you know, I, I don't know. I, apparently I write a lot of those innuendos, but um, you know, she, inadvertent she yeah, yeah. She, but she touched the source and and there was a, <laughs> there was like a scream and, you know,
4: <laughs>
5: she
2: touched the source and it
4: was inside of her. <laughs> yes,
2: exactly. Uh, now, now,
5: I, I want to piggyback on your question because I keep thinking of it because I know nothing about the campaign, um, only the podcast. But of all of the characters uh, at this point, I want to know from Max, what do you think happens to Matoa after this? Because he seems so straight laced, and then he poisoned Aldant, and he's like, you know, he's he's. I feel like there's so much room for a a spinoff of um, the surprisingly dark adventures of Matoa.
3: I was going to ask that exact same question. I was. I just want to add on one more thing to it, though. I, sorry, Max. Um, but do you think after this experience, does he stay with the Harpers? Or has this kind of, he's got his own quest now with the swords, you know, or and finding those evils. Ooh, is is, yeah. is Matoa still with the Harpers at, at, after this?
1: Well, it actually, in a second, I'm going to actually ask Chris to answer this question because Matoa appeared in a game that he ran far in the future. And I thought it was a really brilliant of encapsulation of what ends up happening with Matoa. Um, but the short term, I think the answer is yes, he does stay with the Harpers. In the campaign, um, Matoa's primary motivation is the collection of stories and the cultivation of stories. And so um, Absolutely, the swords are his new mission, but that is not separate from his mission with the Harpers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you're right, surprisingly dark. And it, it's a character I would love to explore more someday because I could see him spiraling further as time goes on. Um, yeah, Chris, do you want to mention what happened with Matoa in the game that you ran?
0: Yeah, Matoa came, became kind of like this Harper like legend. Yeah um which was like sort of whispered about um and like was a legend um because it took place hundreds of years later in the but yeah. in the same world and and matoa would pop up every now and then sort of as a catalyst to um to frighten or or excite and sometimes they didn't know it was matoa um because matoa could change you know change the voice whenever they wanted to um but it was just tons of fun to like have this character who I had all of this love and history for living with a bunch of, you know, level at the time, I think there's, you know, they started at level one, but it was just fun, you know, just to have this like sort of godlike, powerful, you know, unleveled, uh, spirit Harper who helped them along.
1: And like there had been some sort of mental decline as of the hundreds of years of shade. And Yeah. It was stories piled on top of each other. And,
0: yeah. And sometimes it, you know, sometimes it, uh, Matoa would lie, like, would give this extraordinary thing about everything. And they would go into like this dungeon expecting like a certain battle. So they would prep all of these things for like, you know, a, a bronze dragon. And they'd go in and it would just be like, you know, a lich and, you know, tons huh. of skeletons. And, you know, they would be totally unprepared. And it, you know, that's sort of the type of gaming I like to do where, you know, you actually have to respond to
1: the situation. That's
2: what Ed Greenwood would call an
1: unreliable narrator. Yeah. And, and you know, you also, you get that taste of power, right? Like he's willing to poison the King at the end, you know? Yeah. What, what happens if you let yourself keep nudging people's stories, all of a sudden you're making it more exciting by underpreparing the less experienced.
2: It does. Uh, you know, make the Cormier campaign that we, we just started, um, a little, like there's this, uh, there's this Harper coming into Cormier with Oromordic, right? So makes the, makes the adventure that we went on with the uh, swords of state a little more, I don't know, adds a little something to it. Um, all right. One last question for you all. Um, and, and I, I'm going to give an example here because I think this is going to be a hard question and I don't, I don't mean it to sound, um, the way that it's going to sound. So, so the question is, has this podcast had any impact on your lives, um, in, in any fashion? And and I don't, I don't mean to like set that up for like accolades and like praise, but I'm, but I'm going to give you an example of what I mean. So for me, this podcast, which I've been doing since 2018 has allowed me to interface with, Uh, a number of authors and, and, um, historians. And, um, I've had to prepare a lot for these interviews and read a lot and I've gotten to know these people. And, and although they're brilliant, they're just, they're still people, right? They're people that are passionate about things like we are. And, you know, when I was first sitting down to, to, to do this dramatized version of what I had done for three seasons, it was a completely different animal and involved, um, you know, time and, and skills that I hadn't really worked on as much. Although I've I've always liked writing, you know, I remember sitting, you know, calling Chris and being like, Hey, I don't know how to tell this story. And this is, this is what I'm thinking. And so we kind of walked, we kind of talked through it a little bit, but in writing essentially what is going to be between five and six hours of, of published content, which is, you know, um, a, a small novel on audible, right. It gives me, it gives me hope and gives me uh, confidence that I can do the next thing that I want to do. Right. Like I, I've always wanted to write a novel. So I think, you know, maybe that's what's next for me. Um, so, so in that sense, and, and I, you know, I'm sure it's, your thoughts are going to be very different, but, you know, think, think campaigns or, or acting or, or whatever has, has this, um, has this experience through the campaign, through the podcast impacted your lives at all?
1: Oh, I would say definitely. It's the first time I've gotten to play a character um, in a creative format that I actually created. And so that is, has been a really cool journey for me. And also, um, I have it's been a while since I got to do anything creative like this with a group of friends. And so that has been really, really special as well.
3: Jumping off on uh, the group of friends. Um, I mean, I joined about, <clears throat> I think, exactly halfway through the original campaign. Um, to play the character who who turned into uh, Hashka, um, uh, I, and um, it, it's given me essentially um, the the closest group of friends that I currently have. Um, because when COVID hit and everything, and ironically to that that earlier statement of being having my closest friends, ironically to that is that I have only ever seen one of you in person, and that is the person that I am related to by marriage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, actually, Jared, I've seen your brother twice as many times as I've seen. I've never seen you, and I've met your brother twice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, I mean, you know, but because of this, you know, the uh, the weekly get together for um, and for a while it was bi-week or you know twice a week. But um, for playing uh, on the campaign and uh, recording this, I mean, it's been a good mental break for the. Uh, the outside world, and um, you know, it's people that I uh, look forward to speaking with. And you know, besides telling my wife any interesting news or uh, exciting things about my life, you know, the first thing, one of the first things I think is, you know, oh, I, I can't wait to look, tell the guys, you know, about yeah. some, you know, fill in X. So, yeah,
6: good answer. I would also say for me, I mean, I I came in just to uh, help out and fill in, you know, bit parts, which turned into for me, I think, pretty interesting parts, but. I had never done this. I'd always played D and D and never acted out, uh, something that had, that had come already. Um, and I found it fascinating It started making me really think about the characters I was currently playing and the relationship, um, and then really being fascinated from the outside, like the depth of, a the depth of a game that takes place in a, in a, in a real fantasy world, meaning a fantasy world that, that, that is, that is well crafted and that you're interpreting. So I, I definitely agree with uh, the connection, but also what Max was saying about the the, the creativity. Um, and then I totally agree with Jeremiah. Like, in particular, this moment in COVID of being connected to people and diving deep into something that made sense in its own crazy way uh, was was really good. Mm, I agree.
5: I have a viewpoint as the wife, um, so I will say. I was not involved in the campaign, obviously, um, but I heard about it a lot, uh, as you would expect. Um, but it, it's different. Um, it's different seeing it unfold in this way, and obviously, you know, Jared tells me about the different campaigns. But it it was really fun, um, you know, reading his scripts. And talking through, well, maybe this person would do this, but they wouldn't do this. and and I know uh, some, but not all of you uh, in person. And, and it was you know, kind of nice to be a part of something that that you guys have been doing for so long. Um, so. I, know,
2: I feel pretty lucky that that my wife would actually join us on this, you know, that I could share this with, with, with me. You. yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I don't know Steve, did, did you have anything yeah. you wanted to add?
4: Yeah, I was going to just echo people's sentiment about, you know, hanging out with people that you love to hang out with. I mean, this has been great and just fun. Actually, Jared, I remember I texted you or talked to you and I was like, man, this is more fun than D&D. <laughs> like, I really, <laughs> like I enjoy D&D, um, but I think the aspects of D&D I enjoy the most, like the storytelling and the character choices and consequences side of things get, got kind of... Amped up a little bit in this medium, and uh, the things that kind of bogged those down a little bit, I feel like aren't around as much. So, I really enjoyed this quite a bit. So,
2: well, I, I can't thank you guys em- enough. You've you've given me probably uh, almost three years uh, of you know, shared experience, and uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, only thing left to to publish here in season four is um, interview with Ed Greenwood, and then um, all the episodes back to back
3: to back. So. It's going to be weird to not be recording next week. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Well,
2: I, I just want you to know, I, I'm not very good at voice acting, but if somebody wants to do a podcast, I'm, I'm in. All right, y'all. We'll let you go for the night. Thank Peace. you so much. Thank you, Lo- Love you
4: guys.
5: Bye. Bye.
4: Bye. the time of my life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you guys.
2: Though this marks the end of the episode, the tale continues within a 10 day. Join us at longwinded.one and consider giving us a review
3: on Apple Music, Spotify, or really whichever platform you choose.